saw this in a recent article in Leadership Journal, just, uh, and I've seen it some other places too, where uh, a group of 90-year-olds were interviewed and surveyed, and they were asked, uh, what would they do if they had to live life over again? What would they do differently? And uh, three things that showed up on their list that was common to all of them was uh, these three things. They said that they would um, take more risk. They would, if they, if they could live their life over again, they would do things that would last beyond their lifetime or become involved in things that would last beyond their lifetime. And then the third thing was they said they would reflect more. Now, I know for most of us here, we probably you know, go, well, I, I understand the first two, you know, taking risk and, and uh, being involved or being a part or doing things that would last beyond your lifetime. But why, why would they say I would reflect more? Well, you know, I think it's, you know, at the end of your life, you probably have a little more time to sit, think, and reflect. And it's in those moments they realize the things that they would have done differently. And so they realize that reflecting would have led to taking more risk, being involved in things that would last beyond their lifetime. And so one of the things that I want to encourage our congregation as we're, before we look ahead to 2008, is that we look back and that we reflect. Because I, I think that there are a lot of uh, changes that happen, twists and turns that uh, happen, interesting actions that are spurred on by reflection. And so I, that's what I'm hoping and praying today, that you'll be encouraged to reflect. And that from that reflection, there will be some insight that God will give you to your life and the direction that you're taking. And that that insight will lead to some sort of action or twist and turns in your life. Um, so today... Um, what I, what I have to share with you is, is really a, a bit of a smorgasbord. It's, it's all the things that I've wanted to tell you, but there, it never, just never did really fit in with a, a topic or a series that we're doing. And uh, it seemed important to say, but I, there just wasn't a, a time to say it. And, and now on a day where just kind of slowing down, reflecting, there's, there's just some things that I just want to share with you. So uh, and, and the only, I know I was frustrating uh, Sue and Jazz with, with this, and when they're asking me, what are we supposed to tell the kids? What's this about? And, and well, it's just about reflecting. It's about remembering, and we're going to remember some things. And um, so, so it is a little bit of a hodgepodge, but I, I pray that in this that you'll be able to pull out uh, some things and maybe some thoughts. Again, will help you in reflecting. Um, first thing that I, I think is really important, that I'd like us, is that I want us to hang on to hope. Don't let go of hope. I know sometimes that um, I tell you statistics about the state of the church in the United States. And sometimes those statistics are a little bit discouraging. Uh, I tell about young people and how uh, many of them, uh, after they, they're 18 and they graduate and they go to school, about 80% of them abandon the faith, even though they've grown up in the church. I know that there's discouraging things like that, or how many churches are closing each year. But I want you to know that, that things are changing, and things here are changing. I, I want you to know that our mission statement, changing life as we know it through the love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ, that, that that's occurring. There are lives being transformed, like Becky, 
uh, a change in the direction of life. Miles Hutchinson going to India. For some of these young children, I hear stories and reports back from parents about decisions that, that their children are making or things that they're saying at the home and how parents are able to encourage learning. And so this whole thing of trying to do church with our children is working. There are things happening to strengthen families. I, I want you to know that um, also that uh, there are people that are coming to know Christ. Um, I'm looking out and I see Kristen back here. I see uh, other faces that I know of people who have come back to the faith or have come to know Christ and, uh, in the past two years. And uh, we've seen many of those people uh, confess their faith in Christ or assume that right relationship with Christ, uh, those who have been baptized into Christ, and this exciting thing. So I want you to have hope that change is occurring and that it can happen. And I know that there might be things in your life that you hope for and desire change in, but may have been hopeless in the past. But I want you to know that we serve a God who can bring about change and bring about new things. With our, our mission and, and change and transformation, um, I know that sometimes uh, we talk about change and transformation, and that's what we desire. And well, what are we changing to? What are we transforming into? And, and the big idea is that God is transforming us into his likeness, into the likeness of his son. And so I, I know that sometimes, like my children, I just open up the door of our uh, closet, our pantry closet, and we've been marking how tall they, they've been growing over the past two years. And uh, when we first moved into our house in, in Asheville in uh, May 2005, we, we did little measurements. And uh, there have been little marks going up. And I went and looked at the latest marks. And I think each of my kids have grown five inches in the past two years. Uh, and, and it's for real, the truth. And I'm just, I'm amazed. I'm like, really? And I go back and I look at the pictures and I go, yeah. It has happened. I just hadn't noticed. It's been gradual. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I want you to know that sometimes this work that God is doing in you and in me, changing us into the likeness of his son, sometimes it is sort of this slow growth. And we don't always notice it. But sometimes when you stop and reflect, take time to look back, you go, wow, I really have grown. I have, there has been some change in my life. So please, don't let go of hope. God is working and is at work among us. I want you to know that in this transformation, that I know that uh, change just isn't the point. The point is becoming into the likeness of Christ. So I know that there are certain things that we do as a church, and I'll be sharing some of these things of why we do what we do, but it's not our purpose, but it's part of how we accomplish our purpose. It's kind of like, um, if I don't get oxygen... I'm going to die. I will die if I don't get oxygen into my lungs, into my body. But breathing is not my purpose in life. That's not what God put me here for. So there are certain things that we do that are essential to our faith and essential to growing, essential to transformation, but it is not our purpose. And so as I share some of these things and we reflect, I just want you to know that not everything I'm saying is our purpose, but there are some things that are essential so that we can keep growing, keep transforming into Christ-likeness. I want you to know also, just that in a bigger picture, that we're a part of something larger. 
I know that we come here and we gather and there's some exciting things that happen here. But we're a part of a, a network of 18 other churches that are up and down the east uh, part of the United States from New York City all the way down to St. Pete, Florida. And of these 18 churches, we've been pooling our resources. We give from this church, we take a percentage and we give back. Uh, it's part of our, our tithe and our demissions and to church planning. And uh, since uh, we've been doing that, we've been seeing new churches starting. Uh, we've got to see uh, the Crossings Church in Knoxville, Tennessee start. One in uh, Atlanta, one of the counties down there that started, uh, that we were uh, a little more directly involved with. Um, I want you to know that by the end of 2008, there's not going to be just 18 churches, there's going to be 29 churches. By the end of 2009, there's going to be 40 churches. Um, those churches are going to require new leaders, young leaders, like Becky and like Miles and like some of these other people that are coming through our ranks here at Highland. So uh, I want you to have hope that things are changing. And this isn't just an isolated thing right here, what's happening. There are other churches with dynamic teams, dynamic leadership that are getting back to the, to the, the Word of God and to, to re- restoring a, a, a church that looks more like the New Testament church. So be encouraged in that. The other thing I want you to know, just in, in reflecting, looking back, is uh, we don't have it all figured out here. We don't have it all figured out. Uh, I think it's probably obvious with uh, some of the things that we, we hoped and prayed for at the beginning of 2007 with uh, Community Center. We, we really hoped that uh, we'd be able to find a building, uh, renovate it, have it uh, for use for the community, and we just happened to use it on Sundays. Uh, we hoped that would have, would have happened in 2007. Uh, it didn't, and uh, some of that was uh, some of my excitement. And my, uh, I was buoyed by all the excitement that was going on in the church and, and uh, just didn't hear, hear right on that, and uh, sometimes that happens. We don't have it all figured out, and I know that for some of you guys, you, you could probably look back on some things in your life and go, you know what, I can say the same thing. Don't have it all figured out, and I, I really think that... Uh, Really, we just need to continue to be students of Jesus Christ and students of our culture and figure out how we can live the Christian life out within this culture that we live in here in Asheville. And so uh, I, I think my, my new motto is forward with humility. And, uh, and we'll be talking more about that as I, I share the vision for 2008, uh, more about humility. But um, we need to keep ourselves in a learning mode. Um, I know that some people get discouraged with small steps, slow growth, but, but I don't. I really don't. I, 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 I still get excited about that. I, I don't know if you've uh, ever seen Apollo 13, the movie that Tom Hanks was in. It tells about the story of the almost disastrous uh, ride on the Apollo 13 and trying to get back into the atmosphere. Uh, a lot, a lot There's a lot of system failures, things that went wrong. And they had to overcome all these obstacles just get, to get back to Earth. Well, I heard uh, the astronaut being interviewed, who was uh, who Tom Hanks played the character, and I can't remember the astronaut's name, but this is what I do remember, is that um, he was asked this question, you know, when you're figuring out the trajectory to get back into the Earth's atmosphere, you know, they, they made that in the movie look really intense. And, you know, how, I mean, how far off could you have been on that, I mean, how intense was that little situation of, you know, this manual 
uh, trajectory that you had to set to get back into the Earth's atmosphere. And the astronaut said, if we would have been two degrees off, we would have bounced off the atmosphere and gone off into space, and we never would have entered back into the Earth's atmosphere. Just a two-degree difference would have made a difference. And I think that there are a lot of decisions that we make that are two-degree decisions. And it makes a two-degree difference. You see, lines that are parallel, if they're exactly parallel, will run forever at the same distance apart. But if one is just one degree off, two degrees off, they'll gradually go farther and farther apart. Give it time, and it'll be out of sight. In the same way, we can make little two-degree difference decisions in our marriage, in our relationship with our Lord, in our relationships with our family and friends that can make a significant difference. It may seem small. It may be just, you know what, once a week I'm going to sit down and I'm going to pray with my wife. I'm going to pray about our family, pray about our calendar and what we do. That's a two-degree difference decision that makes a huge impact over time and distance. I want you to know that, that in this church and in our spiritual lives and our growth, a lot of times we make two-degree decisions. So don't be discouraged by small steps. Small steps over time make a huge difference. One thing that we're always going to be doing here at Highland, and over this past year we, we took time to remember this, but we will in the future again, is just uh, we're always going to encourage and exhort you to slow down the pace of life. Our, our culture is just is just furiously going headlong. And uh, we lack time to think past the bare essentials. We lack time to think past the bare essentials. And so we, we need to remember that our lives are pretty much full right now as they are. I know that maybe there may be a few in transition and your life is a little less full right now, but most of us have lead a full life. And so if there's something new that we desire in our life, if there's some sort of change and so we're going to require a, a once-a-week time or commitment or something steady. Just know if you're wanting to put something new in your life, I mean something else old is going to have to be displaced. It's just the way things work. If you try to do both, it's that whole serving two masters. One is going to get the attention, one's not. One's going to suffer, one won't. It, if something new comes into your life, something old is going to go. Displacement. It's just a rule of life. And remember that. And so one of the things that you're going to have to do is intentionally think about how do I slow down my life? How do I slow down the pace of my life? What are the things that are non-essentials that I can say no to or do on a less frequent basis? And so as a church, we're thinking about that too. And we want you to know that when we ask people to volunteer to help with things at this church, that we understand life is busy. Uh, we also understand that when uh, you volunteer for things that there's going to be conflicts with, uh, you know, vacations or I'm sick or whatever. I just want you to know that we're a pretty relaxed crew around here. And when we talk about commitment, uh, being committed to a ministry or helping and volunteering, we understand life happens. We understand that. I, I think Sue and, and the ministry she does with the children in the nursery is a, a great example. There are people back there who are volunteers faithfully and they say, you know what, I can commit one day of a month, one day, one Sunday, where I can help back there. I can't tell you exactly what Sunday, because it may change every month, but there'll be one Sunday I'll be back there to help. 
And that's cool. And, the, and all the volunteers call each other, hey, will you switch a Sunday with me? Will you help me out? It's all good. It's all good. And the same way with a lot of our other ministries, there's flexibility. And I just want you to know that we understand that life is busy and we're trying to make allowances for that at this church. The other thing I, that I want to share with you that we, oftentimes I haven't had a chance to share with you, but we do a lot of creative things here at Highland. You see it up front on the stage. Uh, sometimes there's things in the kids' packs or whatever. But um, why, why do we do these creative elements? One is, is we want to communicate the Word of God in such a way it leaves an impression that is remem- memorable, that it will go beyond uh, the two days that uh, you know, usually people forget an auditory, a simple auditory message. Uh, most of what I'm going to say right here, you're going to forget in 72 hours. You won't remember it uh, unless the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of it and does something. Um, but so we want to give the Holy Spirit as much chance to take things and to use them as reminders to remind what is important. And also the other thing, the reason why we do these creative elements within our church is we really want to awaken and nurture the imagination of the church. To awaken the, and nurture the imagination of the church. I, I really believe that there are so many things, so many new things that are waiting to be birthed and to brought into existence. And it's going to be you guys that bring those things into existence. God will spark something in you that is going to bring, help communicate the word of God better. It's going to help the church serve better. It's going to help reach people that don't know Christ better. And it's going to come through your imagination. And so that's why we do some of these things. And we'll continue to do these things. The other thing is, I want to remind you that, um, that we want to present the word of God with hope, with creativity, and with conviction. And so that's one of the things that I pray every time when the word is presented um, here at Highland Christian Church. And uh, the other thing is that we really have a conviction that every person can make a difference in this world. So if you have a lack of conviction that you can do anything of consequence, we're going to do everything we can to change that. So if you don't want that, then you probably shouldn't come to this church. You should go somewhere else because we are going to constantly remind you that you can make a difference. Your choices make a difference. Another thing that I haven't had much time to share with you and, and I wanted to share with you today is, is the idea of mentoring, discipling. We talk about passing the baton of faith and leadership in this church. It's a very significant thing. It's why we have the children with us in these uh, gatherings. It's uh, why we, have, uh, we encourage people to look over their shoulders to the generation behind them and figure out a way to help. That's why we've had some of our 20-somethings helping with the high school and the middle school events that have been going on. Um, I want you to know that with, with mentoring and, and uh, someone discipling, that, that I have those people in my life. Um, I haven't stopped learning. I haven't stopped growing. Um, I want you to know that um, we want to encourage people to find people uh, find others who will be encouragers, mentors to you in your spiritual walk. Um, I want you to know that there are different types of mentors. There's just not an a, um, all-round, all-purpose mentor. Those are usually hard to find. Uh, but there are, uh, like in my life, uh, I have people who I look to who are, are great teachers. Uh, that I look for encouragement from them. There are people who are great encouragers, and I, I look to them. I look to someone different. 
Uh, there are people who are great business people or, may, or great administrators, and I look to them. Um, there are specific people that I meet with on a regular basis. Uh, there are others that I meet with occasionally. There are others that I don't even know personally, but I read their history in a book uh, because they're dead and gone. <laughs> but I, I learn from their life. Or there are others who are contemporary models that are, I read about and I learn from. So I want you to know there's different types of mentors. There are disciples, there are spiritual guys, there are coaches, there are counselors, there are teachers, there are sponsors, there, there are um, contemporary models, there's historical models, there's divine contacts. There's all these kind of mentors. And I want to encourage you to seek out somebody that will encourage you in your faith. But it may not just be one person that will be able to do an all-round, encourage you in everything. So um, discover, find someone that will be able to mentor you and encourage you in your, in your walk and your faith. Uh, this coming year, again, I'll tell more about this on our vision day, but we're going to be talking about mentoring and how we can encourage you in mentoring and those who are ready to mentor others uh, because we need that desperately in our church. Um, I want to tell you, too, that there's something different about a large gathering and a small gathering. Um, we have this large gathering on Sundays. And it's mainly a time of proclamation. Um, our small gatherings, the difference when you gather in a gel group, it's, it's a time of inquiry. And those are the two big differences in the gatherings. One is proclamation. The other is inquiry. So if you're in a gathering like this, there probably isn't going to be much of a place or a time to ask questions. Although, you know, we have our children who are whispering in our ears and, Mommy, Daddy, what, what was that? What did that skip mean? Or what, why, why is everybody dipping their cracker in the juice? You know, and, and that kind of inquiry, man, we want to encourage. And we, we do encourage it wherever we're at. But I, I'm just saying that we make a special place for inquiry within our gel groups. And so I encourage you to be a part of that. The other thing I, I, I want, to, want to share with you is, again, Highland and, and the way we look and the way we do things is, is sometimes kind of different and shocking. And some people who have maybe grown up in church kind of scratch their heads and go, can you really do that? Is that really church? You know, my cousin, who isn't much of a, I won't say. But anyway, my cousin who is uh, unfamiliar with, with the variety of church uh, and has grown up in the country most of his life, he came and visited once and he said, is, is this church American? <laughs> and sometimes you, you, you kind of got, you know, you got these American ways of doing church and you kind of go, is, is that right? And um, I just want you to know that uh, what we do here is, is maybe described as low church. Maybe you've heard of high church. Uh, high church, um, maybe some people think of uh, very formal uh, worship, maybe very structured, very proper uh, maybe some people think of that when you say high church. Another thing for high church or high ecclesiology is, is part of that makeup is, is what they practice is that first you present the message or the gospel to a person. You present the Christian message. Uh, and then they invite the person to be a Christian. And then finally, if, they decide, if that person decides to become a Christian, then they're welcomed into the church and its fellowship. That's kind of high church model. Low church, kind of what we're doing, low ecclesiology, is when we practice establishing community with people or invite them into our fellowship 
And within the fellowship, we engage in conversation, uh, ministry, prayer, and worship. And sometimes who join us, those who join us, they just might observe. Nothing will ever happen. Uh, and while some who join us, they'll want to participate. And in time, uh, some of these people discover that there's belief that's been worked in their hearts by God. And then we, and then we invite them to commit. And so we, in a low church, we invite people to be a part of the fellowship first. Instead of kind of uh, what high church kind of practices. Well, what do you believe? Uh, well, you need to believe this. And then you can be one of us and you can be a part. So uh, in doing that, that kind of, that small thing, that basic thing, it kind of changes the way we do things at church. Now, in being a low church, it doesn't mean that we lower the bar in our Christology. It's a big theological word. Uh, we don't lower the bar in what we think about Jesus. We don't lower the bar in what we say it means to follow Jesus. In fact, we raise the bar pretty high when we talk about following Jesus Christ. So, whereas in sometimes in a high church, not always, sometimes there's a high this belief ID check, but then there's a low discipleship, low Christology. Um, so don't be fooled by some of those things and, and some of the ways that we do things or we practice things. <clears throat> I want you to know that this is part of why we practice inclusiveness and why there are people here that come to our gatherings that don't believe in Jesus Christ, but they're coming to investigate, check things out, and to see what Christians, what Christ followers actually do. And that's part of why we do what we do here. Um, I want you to also know that this requires patience and understanding among those of us who have been Christ followers for quite a long time. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we are all on a pilgrim journey in following Jesus. And we're all at different stages. And I want you to know that this journey is not a, it's, it's not a sprint. It is a marathon. And that in this marathon... Um, we're all at different stages in our journey. Uh, some of us are very mature. Some of us are very immature. Some of us are in between. But what is required of all of us in this journey is faithfulness and endurance and following Christ. In talking about patience for one another, <coughs> my wife and I were in a conversation a while back and talking about uh, someone that, that she had been uh, mentoring for, for a while and talking with and just some of her frustration that this person was really hanging on to some sin in her life. And we were talking about it, and, and I said, well, Sherry, you know, this sin, you know, well, well think about your sin, Sherry. Um, how long were you hanging on to that sin that was a real stronghold in your life? How long did you hang on to that before you surrendered that to God and were free of that? And she said, hmm, pretty long time, almost six years. And I said, well... And you grew up in a Christian family, didn't you? Yeah. You grew up going to church every Sunday, didn't you? Yeah. Well, what about this person that you're investing your life into? Did they grow up in a Christian family? No. Have they been going to church very long? Mm, not, no, not really. How long have they been hanging on to this? Well, it's just been a year or two. Okay. Well, God showed you patience. So let's, let's maybe think how we can show patience in the same way. So... In that light, I want to encourage us to be patient with one another in Christ. It doesn't mean that we don't confront. 
doesn't mean that we don't say, you know what, I think this is a real barrier in your faith in following Jesus. And you've got to figure out a way to get over this barrier, get around this barrier, or get rid of this barrier in your life. So, just know, patience, grace for one another. Also with that, we need to make space. We need to make space for others. Uh, to invite those who don't yet believe means that we have to make space for them. And when I think of that, I think of the, the prodigal son and his father. Uh, Luke 15 says the father saw his son in the distance and ran to him. And it says that he threw his arms around him and kissed him. And something happens when you go from this, there's no space, to this. When you talk about the, the anatomy of an of a embrace, you've got to open up your arms to make space for others. And that's kind of what we're doing here at Highland as a church. We're opening up our arms to make space. Because isn't that what the Lord Jesus did for us? Isn't that what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did? They existed in their eternal, eternal fellowship. And they didn't hog it all to themselves. But they said, hey, let's make a way for mankind to join us in this eternal fellowship. And they made a way through the cross and opened up their arms. And now we're joined in that. And that's what we're trying to invite people into through love, loyalty, and friendship of Jesus Christ to bring brought into that fellowship of the Trinity. Galatians 4, verses 4 through 6. In the fullness of time, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption, brought into the family. And because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth the Spirit of the Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And John 1, 3, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also, that you also may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So, if you're recently or relatively new here, welcome to the fellowship. And there is a way to step into that where the Spirit is within your heart. And more than just soaking up some of that fellowship that reflects off those who are united with Christ, you can enter into the fullness of that fellowship by being united with Jesus Christ, by His Spirit, and through what God has done through the cross. So I want you to know that you don't always have to stand off at the distance and just observe, that you can participate, you can be a part, and fully be a part. Are you ready to take risks? in 2008 what will it take for you to be ready to take some risk in 2008 have you done anything or started anything that will last beyond your life in 2007 how does that make you feel when you think about that are you ready to start something in 2008 that will live beyond you Beyond your life. And for 2007, have you done any reflecting? Still got today and tomorrow. Still got some time to reflect. And are you going to make some time in 2008? Are you going to make time to reflect? I really believe if you'll take time to reflect that the Lord will give you insight into your life, what he's doing, what he's already done, 
and it will help you with direction in your life. As a church and as a pastor, I want you to know that I hope you'll, you'll be asking the question, what is the next step in my spiritual journey? I want you to ask that question. And then I want to say, how can I help you in taking that step? And as a church as a whole, that's what we want to do. We want to help you in taking the next step in your spiritual journey in 2008.